Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Many Happy Miles, a podcast that celebrates all types of forward movement. Whether it's a swim on a hot August day, a strength class that starts with Bulgarian split squats, yes, I am definitely very sore from doing that, or a long run for a marathon training, we're here to say yay to all of it and bring on guests to inspire you to move with joy. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner. And I'm Sarah Wassner Flynn. And Dimity, today I'm saying yay to heading to the beach because as soon as we finish this, I'm getting in the car and going to the beach. Oh, very nice. What beach? Uh, Seaside Park in New Jersey, the Jersey Shore. Uh, I have a good friend who I met when I was living in Hoboken, New Jersey, that we've remained friends over the years. And she has a beautiful shore house, as she calls it, not beach house. (laughs) (laughs) You got to get the lingo with the Jersey folk. And she, yeah. every year, she graciously invites us to her, stay a few days at her house. So we're heading out. The swim and dive season is just about over. We got a little break in the season. And I'm taking two of my kids to the beach today. Nice. For how long are you going for? Uh, just till Friday because, you know, we, ha- we got to get back for another, another swim meet. And then uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then it'll be over for at least a, a couple of months. Yeah. So. Oh, good, good. Yeah. We'll have so much fun. I'm excited. Um, yeah. Hopefully, you're going to bring your running gear because we're going to oh, talk about 100%. Yes, I marathon my, training. My mm-hmm. That's your plan. Okay, yeah. good. Because yeah. this podcast is about marathon training through the summer, which or half marathon training. But before we get started, I want to let you know to stay tuned to the very end of this podcast. We've got our third installment of Nourished on the Run with Dietitian Ellie Kempton. Ellie and I are going to be chatting about tips to mitigate that lovely nightly hopefully not nightly, 2 a.m. wake-up call that maybe you're familiar with, maybe you're not familiar with, but um, I think many of us are, that 2 a.m., oh my gosh, I'm awake and I want to be asleep. So that's Mm -hmm. what Ellie and I are going to talk about. But going back to what we, Sarah and I, are going to talk about, we are talking about them being in the middle of summer and training for a fall marathon or half marathon. So you're probably thinking about autumn if you have clicked on the register now button and are in the middle of training. Not to give anyone out there extra anxiety, but we're less than nine weeks out from major marathons like the Twin Cities. We're about 10 from Chicago and less than 12 from the Indy Monumental and Marine Corps Marathon, which you are training for, Sarah Wassner Flynn, right? You're training for the Marine Corps, yes? Yes, I am. And you totally just made my stomach flip because 12 weeks sounds so close. Uh, And I feel like I've got a lot of work to do still. 
Well, so where, where is your training right now, Sarah? And kind of remind us where you were because you finished the Twin Cities Marathon last fall feeling, I thought, very well. So tell yeah, us. Yeah, kind of- I had a great, great marathon experience in Twin Cities. And I spoke about this at a po- on a podcast last year, which, you know, I hadn't done a, tr- a marathon in, since I was like 21. And so it had been a couple of decades <laughs> and which is insane to me but yeah so um I had a wonderful experience I actually qualified for Boston which was super exciting and because Boston was going to be 18 months away from Twin Cities I decided I wanted to get a fall marathon in just so that there wasn't such a big gap between two marathons so I'm going to do a fall marathon and then I'll do Boston this spring Nice, nice. And so where are you in your training cycle right now for good old MCM? I am about four weeks into a 16-week tra- training plan. So you said it's about 12 weeks away. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess at four or five weeks about there, I'm up to only 12 miles, you know, which by, and anyone listening to this who doesn't do marathons, 12 miles is a long run <laughs> by, by most accounts. <laughs> Definitely is. But when you're, you know, looking at 18, 20, 22, you know, I won't be hitting those uh, mileage counts until August. So, you know, it's gonna, that sounds pretty ominous because of the heat and humidity. I'm here in Maryland, you know, the weather is just pretty brutal these days. So, you know, I guess I should be a little bit more optimistic and say, come on, bring it on, bring it on, give me all the heat and humidity. I'm ready for it. Well, yes. I mean, the thing about it is, is once you train through the summer, you get this nice, I mean, fall just feels like heaven, right? I mean, it mm-hmm. just like the, that first run where the temperatures are like you walk outside and the air is crisp. You're like, wait, if I landed in a different country. Like, yeah. right? And we actually had a little bit of that last week. There was like this crazy break in the humidity. And it's like, like you said, you feel like you walk out your door and you're like in a different place. And um, that was on Sunday with uh, my 12 miler. And I felt wonderful. Like it was just a little bit of a glimpse. And I was kind of like, Ooh, it's too soon. You know, I kind of want to suffer a little bit more and <laughs> sure. then have the reward in September, October, but Hey, I'll take it. If I'm going to feel good on a run and not feel like I'm dying halfway through or just not dying, but you know, like wanting to stop and, and soak my head under a cold faucet, I'll take it. So yeah, things nice. are going pretty well. I'm, I'm excited for it. Well, so what do you do? Because this is your second time through, you know, second consecutive summer training through the summer. So what are some things that work for you personally to kind of stay consistent and keep your eyes on the prize, knowing that, you know, they might, your eyes might be full of sweat and sunscreen yeah. <laughs> as you try to look for the prize? Yeah. Well, I think I, I came into my training last year with a lot of fear of the unknown and uh, being a little concerned about like I, my body wouldn't be able to withstand the mileage. And now I have that knowledge that, okay, yes, I was able to do it. And so that gave me more confidence. But one big lesson I had and last year, I also was coming into it because it had been so long. I had this mentality of like, you have to you know, power through and, and you, you know, if you, if you have water, you just take it and go and your fuel, you take it and go and like, no stopping. And then this summer I'm like, okay, if I want to stop at seven miles, it's still time on my feet. I'll hit, you know, stop on my watch. And I feel like I have to do that because it's been so warm and so hot. So I have planned out stops where I know it's seven miles, there's a gas station. I'm going to pop in, I'm going to get a bottle of water. I'm going to take my goo. I'm going to drink some of the water, pour it on my head, and then I'll keep going. And that's given me life. Like just knowing that I have that little break 
And obviously, mm-hmm. I don't want to take breaks during the marathon, but you know, you do sometimes end up walking through the water stations anyway. Oh, sure. And so, yeah. you know, whatever. I'm not trying to win the race. I mean, I, I like getting faster times, but I'm just going into these long runs with that mentality like, hey, if you need to stop, just do it. Be preventative, you know, maybe preemptive about it. So it's not like you're, I'm already drained my well. I'm kind of trying to be like at seven miles versus waiting until 10 miles. Sure, um, sure. And that's really helped. So I've been doing that and planning and kind of fun to plan where I'm going to stop and have that to look forward to as well. So do you carry water with you? I don't. I don't like wow. to. I mean, if you wow. see you know, pictures of, I, I usually, I'm very, <laughs> I'm very minimalist when it comes to running. I don't even, I sometimes carry my phone I'm in a pouch and I don't even like that. But I have to say my running buddy, who's my next door neighbor he has a Nathan hydration. I actually gave it to him. I, I was like, I don't, I don't want this. It was brand new. And I gave it to him. He has a Nathan hydration pack and you know, we're pretty close. So he's, he's kind of like, <laughs> so you're sharing squeeze out some water. And I'm yeah. like, maybe I'll bring a cup, like a collapsible camping cup. And then he can like squeeze the water or he can just open up his, uh, you know, the, the bladder inside and pour it into my mouth or I pour it into my mouth. So we've, we've done that. <laughs> like I'm like, okay. you know, eh, not ideal, but um, if their worst comes to worse, he has water on him and he likes to carry it. So, yeah. Oh, good. Good. Mm-hmm. Well, and you um, were talking about the other day how you like you have like a little combo run that you like to do, like to mm-hmm. run to the gym, jump on the treadmill and then run home. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. You know, I try to, like I said, time on your feet is time on your feet. And in my mind, I don't like being, I like running with somebody else. And so when I'm doing my own runs, sometimes, and I was really stressed last week and I was just, didn't want to like be out there for 12 full miles, just, you know, by myself. So I was like, I'll break it up and I'm going to do four miles to the gym, four miles on the treadmill where I'll have a couple people around me. You know, I feel like, you know, more accountable because I'll be on the treadmill. I'm not going to stop. And then I ran four miles home and it took me like, about, you know, maybe like 20 extra minutes to do that just with the transition. You know, I, I come from sure. a triathlon background, so I like transitions. <laughs> and so I'm like, <laughs> run into the gym, grab some water, take some goo, hop on the treadmill, four miles on the treadmill, grab some water and then run home. And you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I got 12 miles in. So I just break it up. I'm very creative when it comes to my runs. I feel like I'm always trying to like find something new and find something different and you know, I've done these run commutes too, which has been really fun. Like my kids have been swimming, as I mentioned. So our county is really big and they swim all over the county. So I've run 10 miles to one pool, seven miles to another pool. I did seven miles to my son's basketball game. Nice. Obviously, I need to have my husband or somebody there to have clothes for me. So I'm not like a sweaty mess at these events. Um, and he takes me home. But I will even Uber like my I'm talking to my uh, training partner about running into DC for one of our long runs and then just taking the Uber or Metro home. So, you know, I kind of try to with this heat and and everything can be such a slog. Like I want to incorporate a little bit of fun into it. I think that's a really good call. I think that's a great call. I love how innovative you are. And I love that you're like, I like, let's just put a, a big double click on that, like giving yourself a little grace and not mm-hmm. worrying about you know, walking more than you think you should, right? Mm -hmm. Or maybe, you know, calling a 20 miler at 18 because you ran out of water and goo and you're like, you know what, that's good enough. You know, like Mm -hmm. definitely having a little patience with yourself and with the weather and um, and knowing that 
once October or September, well, really October, September is kind of wishy-washy these days. Um, <laughs> still be pretty once hot. October comes, then it's going to feel a lot better. So right. awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, so to stay on the topic of keeping the motivation up during summer training, we're now going to chat with two runners from our Better Together program, Sarah Jensen and Linda Bonson, who are training for the Indy Monumental Marathon in October. And Linda is also actually training for um, Chicago. So she's doing almost back-to-back marathons. And since it's the same weekend as the Marine Corps Marathon, Indy is the same as the Marine Corps Marathon, you are both in the thick of it together. You all are actually, Sarah, Linda, Mm -hmm. and Sarah. Sarah one, Sarah two. (laughs) I have to say again, we love our Sarahs on this show. I mean, we have a Sarah like every other week, which is just hilarious to me. Um, yeah, so there's definitely some solidarity there with um, among Linda and Sarah and I. And just as a refresher for new listeners, the Better Together program is a new AMR training program, which pairs newer runners with more experienced runners to train together for the Indy Monumental Marathon or Half Marathon. They're going to meet up on October 28th to run the race and toast to a team effort. This is the first year for this program, and we are so, so excited about it. We've talked about it a lot. It's so cool to see that it's actually being executed and we have teams and, you know, we're, we're here talking about it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back to meet our Better Together team. Okay, so we've got team Chafing the Dream, which is made up of, like I said before, Sarah Jensen and Linda Bonson. Sarah is a mother of a toddler in Birmingham, Alabama. She's actually a Texas native too, so shout out to the South. Sarah works in education policy and is training for her second marathon. Her first one was in 2016 prior to having her child. And Linda lives with her husband and her nine-year-old pup in Menden, Vermont. She worked in the medical field before retiring early, and she loves to hike, mountain bike, kayak, run, pretty much do anything. In addition to helping Sarah thrive as she trains for the Indianapolis Monumental Marathon. Linda's also training herself for the Chicago Marathon. So like I said, she's, are those back-to-back, Linda? Yes. Well, no, two weeks apart. Two weeks apart. All right. All right. Well, welcome both of you. That was my, that was a random question to throw in before (laughs) welcome, but um, welcome Sarah and Linda. Thank you. Thanks. So Sarah, let's start with you. Tell us how your training for Indy is going so far. It is going. I am and gosh, what, five weeks in now, and have been really consistent with all of the runs and just you know, navigating the heat and humidity of Alabama. Actually had a train delay. On, I was trying a new route this morning and ended up uh, getting stopped by a train. So that was a new one for me today. But it is going really well. How long were you stopped for, for the train? Well, it had to, I had to reroute. And, you know, so I thought maybe it would move and it came to a complete stop on the tracks. Oh, so I had to, I, I debated for a second trying to find a way around it. And I was like, you know what, that's probably not smart. I'm just going to go back the way I came and not get lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, okay. So Sarah, let's talk a little bit about external accountability. Um, so you are the protege and Linda is your mentor in the Better Together program. So how are you finding it? Is it helpful to have someone to check in with during your training process? 
Oh my goodness. Yes. So Linda has been wonderful. I immediately started texting her when we got paired together and have been following each other on Strava. And it's just so helpful to have somebody to reach out to with questions or uh, just to say, hey, I didn't do my long run yesterday, but I'm going to get it done tomorrow. And just even saying that and texting it to somebody has been really helpful. And uh, like you mentioned, I've done one marathon back in 2016, but that was more of a, hey, I'm just going to go to do this. Uh, we, I did the Baton Rouge Marathon and it was wonderful. We stopped and took pictures with LSU Elvis and it was great. <laughs> wonderful crowd support. Can't say enough good things about it, but that was also in 2016. A lot of things have changed since then. <laughs> I've gotten older and have a kid. And so my training cycle looks totally different this time around. Yeah. Uh, so just having somebody to reach out to that has done this before that can help me navigate, uh, you know, is this a normal, <laughs> is this normal for my legs to feel like this at this point? Or, <laughs> uh, you know, ideas on nutrition. Um, so Linda's been fantastic and has entertained all of my random questions and have loved just getting to learn more. That's the wonderful thing about this sport is I feel like there's always something new to learn. Mm -hmm. So Linda, you are definitely a very experienced mentor. Um, so give us a little bit about your running background. We know that Sarah's won one marathon, but how many have you run? Oh boy. Um, I've run 13 marathons. Okay. Uh, I've done a couple of, uh, two or three ultras, a bunch of halves and many smaller races. <laughs> I don't know anyone who's like two or three ultras. Like, was it two or was it three? <laughs> it was three. It was three. It was I did a 50K and 88K and then I did a 100 miler. Wow. Oh my gosh. An 88K. Why, why 88? I, you know, it's strange. There's a place here in uh, Vermont. They have this place up in Goshen and, um, it's because of the, uh, it's called the Endurance Society. And so they do this one race, which is 888K. So it's over a week. And they actually run over 500 miles. Hmm. You know, they stay there for over a week. They do this. But anyway, so then the shorter distance is 88K. And that's the one that I did. <laughs> wow. That's a shorter, that's crazy. <laughs> that's, that's a shorter distance. Like, yeah. No, it's crazy. So you're the experienced runner in the group here. And so we want to know what's your best tip or tips for staying motivated during those hot, extra hot and humid runs in, in Vermont. You know, you're an East Coast like me too. You got the humidity there. So. Oh yeah. The humidity is, is, you know, Sarah Jensen also has the humidity down South, mm -hmm. but anyway, to stay motivated is just knowing that whatever I do today is going to make the race day so much easier. And so that's what keeps me going. Yeah. You know, are you an early riser, Linda? Like, do you get up like when you know that you have a 20 mile or on the books? Like what time are you at the door typically? Well, I'm an early riser, whether I'm running or not. It's just my body. I love to wake up in the morning and, and watch the world wake up, have some yeah. coffee. But so then I'm yeah, I, I will definitely get out the door earlier than but not crazy early. Not, you know, maybe seven. Um, oh, really? OK. Even though I'm up before dawn. Uh, kind of hang out and got to do Wordle. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does that take you all of like 30 seconds though, right? <laughs> some days, some days yeah. it's, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. got it in three today. So there oh, you go. Fine. There you go. Yeah. Sarah, what about you, Sarah? Are you do you get up early? Because how, remind us how old your son is. You have a son, correct? My son is two. Yes. Okay. My son Michael's two, and oh my goodness! So I have the extra challenge of my husband is an anesthesiologist. So that is how we ended up in Alabama. We moved for his medical residency, and uh, his schedule is all over the place. So pre-kids, it was no big deal. It doesn't matter what his schedule was. I would get up and run with my crew at 5.30 in the morning or uh, at 5. So definitely during the summer, getting up, getting out before it was really hot in Texas or Alabama. So having a kid and having a husband who works really weird hours and yeah. I don't get to do that. And I really, really miss being able to just get up and get out the door. So I do have the flexibility if I have a, uh, I'm a remote employee back in Dallas. So I work from home. So my days now, I try to get out as early as I can, but usually that means it's more like eight or eight thirty, and try to get it done before my morning meetings it's been really tough to beat the heat that way. So this is probably the first summer that I've truly run when it's like 87, 90, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, so that, that's been a new challenge factor, but we're making it work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hire babysitter for my long runs on the weekends, um, <laughs> bless the the girls that are getting up and getting over to my house at you know five thirty in the morning for me to go do my long runs. But we make it work. Yeah, well, good for you for doing that. I always like, I, I and I don't have the solo parenting uh, issue that you have, but my husband used to travel a lot, and I would sometimes get those babysitters coming in. <laughs> Yeah, at five thirty, six o'clock, just to get it done, and you know, I'm like, the kids are still sleeping. You just need to sit on the couch, you know. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we've all learned lessons the hard way when it comes to running in the heat. So, we're curious if there's any cautionary tales that any of you guys want to share, Dimity yourself included, about what happened and then how you course corrected the next time you went out in the warm temperatures. I mean, I'll just start. I I've never had like a true like heat you know, illness or anything like that. But I've definitely learned how important hydration is. I mean, Sarah, when you said that you don't carry water, I kind of, my maternal side kind of (laughs) gasped inside of me. I won't lie. Um, Just because for me, like hydration, especially electrolytes are so, so, so important. I mean, I'm a very heavy sweater. I mean, I'm the kind of person that like after a run, I can like exfoliate my face with the sweat on my face. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like, I've got that salt. Like my, I get white lines on my shirts, on my shorts. Um, so having something, you know, like a like a noon tablet or the goo electrolyte tablets or something like that, I'm drinking that pretty consistently, like throughout my whole workout and the day before a, a long event, and even and then even when I get back, sometimes I will like double down. It's just it is a thing that keeps me going, and also that keeps headaches at bay. Like often I used to get endurance headaches after like a long run or a long bike um, because I didn't have enough electrolytes. So Mm -hmm. again, making sure that I do that. So that's kind of my biggest tip. 
especially if you're a heavy sweater. Mm -hmm. Curious to hear from you guys, though. Linda, have you learned anything the hard way? Oh, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Early on, I learned that the more you stay on top of it early and often, then um, you don't get that horrible sick feeling. You know, yeah. even if mm-hmm. even if you don't get it during your run, the following day you'll feel so much more sluggish if you haven't hydrated properly. And so, yeah, I too am a heavy sweater. I mean, um, the salt is just you know the dog goes up to your leg and starts licking your leg. That as soon as you walk <laughs> in, you know, you're a tasty little salt lick. But um, I could never run without water, <laughs> Sarah. I too yeah. cringed when she said that. <laughs> it's not that I don't, like I will say, I don't run with, I just don't carry it. But that's why like I make sure that I ha- have places where I can stop and drink and I carry goo and all that stuff. So yeah, I just don't like carrying it. I don't know. I don't like the sloshing. So, well, <laughs> so Oh, I don't, okay. I don't yeah. either. <laughs> <laughs> and you've gotten used to but it, I would, I'm sure. And I probably yeah, can get yeah. used to it too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I also, <laughs> on the long runs, I'll carry, uh, I wear a uh, backpack, you know. A hydration vest mm-hmm. for the uh, 16 and 20 milers. It makes yeah. a difference just having it right there. I yeah. feel like, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, let's go to Sarah Waster Flynn next. We'll just kind of go around the circle here. Sarah, have you learned things the hard way? Yeah. Well, I'm going to sound like a big dummy here, but because <laughs> I just, I have had heat stroke before, um, but that was with triathlon. But it's same, you know, when you're exerting the amount of uh, burning calories and you're in the heat and New York City triathlon for a long time, actually, like the whole time until this year, they've had it in the height of the summer. And so I did it, I don't know, six years ago or so. And it was one of the hottest days on record. And I didn't drink enough on the bike. And when you don't drink enough on the bike, forget your run, just forget it. You know, you need to hydrate preemptively. So I was racing and I didn't want to slow down to take my second bottle. So I only had one and a little bit of a next bottle. And I actually had running through Central Park. I don't remember much, but my sister kind of came up to me and she was like, you're doing really well. Are you okay? And I remember saying, I don't, I don't, I don't feel good. And I somehow got to the finish line. It was like total tunnel vision. And then I collapsed and they had to take me back to the medical tent and I had to go in the ice bath and they gave me smelling salts and they almost sent me to the hospital. Holy and cow. Yeah, it was really scary. And my family, I just kept saying like, <laughs> typical me, I was just like, Looking at the the girl who was treating me, she was really young. And I was like, are you a doctor? Where, where do you go to school? She's like, I'm a, I go to Harvard Medical School. I'm okay. Because <laughs> I was like, can you go tell my family I'm okay? And, you know, and I came out and they just said, oh, you're so gray. Like, so that was really scary. And it was one of those moments where I was like, never again. I always drink all my fluids because you have to. And with triathlon, especially with the run, you're just going to have a terrible run if you're not properly hydrated. So, yeah. yeah, so I've learned. And like, like I said, like, that's why I should carry water, but like, I just don't like the feeling. So it's helpful that my partner does carry water or I'll just like run locally where I know where I can get water, but I will hopefully yeah. never have that experience again. Cause it's scary. I can only imagine. Oh my yeah. gosh. Oh my gosh. And what about you, Sarah J hanging out in the South? Yeah. I, so I can't think of any huge mistakes. I'm usually pretty good about stopping myself if, um, you know, if I'm not feeling good. I definitely always have water with me, although I have gotten away from having the handheld. I don't love the feeling of the handheld bottle. I've gone back and pulled out a really old running belt, uh, but that's what works for me. And I don't like the feeling of holding water, but I 
school wear the water. But what I was thinking of was I'm more apt to say, oh, you know, it's too, too hot. So I'm just not going to do the run at all instead of trying to get out and just do a little bit or I've got speed work today and there's no way I could hit that pace um, in this run and being okay with adjusting my pace, adjusting the distance and not totally throwing away a run just because it's too hot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We often say uh, like try to get in the spirit of the workout, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is really helpful for anybody, whether you're marathon training this time of year or not, but like, you know, just thinking about if it's a hill repeat day, like definitely get in some hill repeats. If it says eight and you get in six, awesome, you know, or if you adjust it however you need to a little bit. But as long as you kind of do the bulk of the work, I think that you're good. But yeah, I hear you. And I think, Sarah, thank you for being so honest. You're like, you know what? I don't, and that same, same thing with Sarah Wasserman Flynn. Like she's talking about like pushing herself so hard that she's like, I don't feel good. Like I would be like, okay, and we're done. Yeah, (laughs) Mic drop, we are done. (laughs) No, I mean, I'm lucky I got to the finish line because I was done for sure. Like like I said, tunnel vision is not a good thing when you're running um, and you can't see uh, to the side. You can only see a little bit in front of you. Yeah, that would have been a good thing. See, maybe... Yeah. Maybe I need to work on my uh, mental grit to get through the the mental part of the races. It sounds like Sarah, you might. I don't have know. That I don't know. It's a tricky balance <laughs> because it's like, do you put? How far do you want to push yourself to the detriment of your own physical health? You know. So. True. Yeah, but I knew I was like, I, I guess I was close enough to the finish line that my sister was like, "You looked bad, but you were close enough that I didn't feel like I needed to pull you off the course." But yeah. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, so Linda, so so tell us your strategy going into, you're going to run Chicago and then are the two of you guys going to run together in Indy? Have you talked about that yet? We're only, we're still in July, so we still got a ways to go. So we won't hold you to it. We just want to, just want to see if you uh, talk about it. Well, yeah. So I'm training for Chicago and hope to do a pretty good race there. We'll see how it goes. And then I was going to ask Sarah what she wants of me. Um, if it's windy, I'm happy to run in front of her and block the wind. I haven't really gotten a word from her as to what uh, what she would request of me. Yes, I'm going to put you out as my shield, Linda. That's my plan. <laughs> I'll tell you, it really does help to have somebody run oh, in front so of you sweet. when it's windy. And also that's good pacing too, Linda, because if she's just following you and yeah. she doesn't have to think so much about the pace and you can pace her if you're willing, that would be a wonderful asset for Sarah's Marathon. And so anybody running a race, if you see somebody running in front of you that like, I always look for a biggest guy I can find or a woman and, uh, I I feel like I've been put in that position. Right. I mean, as I say, it's all folks, right. They're like, (laughs) we'll go right behind you. (laughs) They've done it to me too. And you look behind and there's usually a small little person right behind you. And, you know, it helps. It blocks the, it, it helps a lot. Take shelter, take shelter. All right. Well, we won't put you guys on the spot there then. Um, <laughs> but um, but Sarah, does the does the weather calm down enough in Birmingham for you to like, like we were talking about those crisp days or are you pretty much going to just not feel fall until you get to Indy in October? It will definitely feel more like fall in Indy. I'm hoping that maybe as we get towards the middle of October, we might get a couple of crisp days in there. But at the rate we're going right now, I'm not too hopeful, but I am excited. I am going to come cheer in Chicago for Linda. 
So I'm going to be her, her side crew. So I'm hoping I can, yeah. So I'm hoping I can get some Chicago runs in and that should be. Oh, that should feel really good. That's it'll feel amazing. Is that a new development since you guys got paired up? I mean, you obviously didn't know each other before. Yeah. So I had a couple of other friends from Birmingham going. And then when Linda said that she was going to be doing Chicago, I was like, well, you know what, we're just going to make a weekend trip of this and go get hyped up, go cheer on Linda and my friends here that are running and take my son and my husband and just go do a weekend trip and go crash the race expo. That's my plan. (laughs) (laughs) Really get all your steps in at the Chicago. That'll be probably, I'm guessing just because of the size, that'll be a better expo than the Indianapolis one, just as far as like number of booths and stuff. So, um, and you know, in Indy, we're going to be like, get off your feet, get off your feet. (laughs) You know, (laughs) and I'll just get to go shop and walk around. It's going to be great. (laughs) That's great. That's great. Yeah, but you'll have to get your long run in then too. Right. I will have to get my long run in. So um, <laughs> I might do the, the 5K the day before and um, add on to that. I don't know. Well, we'll have to talk strategy on that. Okay. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, you guys, thanks for coming on and sharing your tips about um, staying with it during marathon training. I love that you guys have each other. And Sarah Wassner Flynn, I love that you have your camel slash um, running partner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, good luck to all you guys, to um, everybody who's training through the summer um, for your marathons. We can't wait to hear how it all unfolds. And like Linda said, putting in the hard work now is going to pay dividends down the line. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks. Okay, let's shift focus from marathon training to sleeping after marathon training, or trying to sleep anyway. We've got functional medicine dietitian Ellie Kempton here to talk through that 2 a.m. wake up. Welcome, Ellie. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, I got to know, were you awake at 2 a.m. this morning? Or in that ballpark. It doesn't have to be 2 a.m. on the dot. Right. You know, I have, as an athlete, really struggled with that just light bulb moment in the middle of the night where I am up like a light. My best ideas are coming to me, but yet I need to be (laughs) asleep, which, right, like the anxiety around needing to be asleep because you know how good it is for you doesn't help. Agreed. Agreed. So the answer to that is, did you have a light bulb moment last night or not so much? I didn't last night only because I had just, I had a day yesterday that was one thing to the next and I could have slept through a train wreck, but I've had those situations for long stretches of time and really agonized over them. And the more you know about sleep, the more you understand that it's so medicinal and there's no medicine that can replicate sleep. I think it makes it almost more, it it makes, it amplifies the stress because there is so much pressure that you put on yourself. Am I right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, yes, I can tell you the number of times I'm like left side. Okay. Right side. Okay. Back. Okay. Left side, right side, dimity, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. You know, like just, you know, and I'm like this little like mantra in my head and yeah, it's frustrating because yeah, I know how good I feel after a good night's sleep. Okay. Well, so let's start, let's just start like super, like any age, anybody, what can they do to before bed to get themselves into a place to sleep. 
And that's just it. I think I love how we're starting there at the trailhead for really this universal approach that doesn't start with a fancy supplement or anything that's extravagant. There's so much temptation to optimize your sleep with really um, kind of multifaceted approach when really it just starts with you helping your body feel safe and really enabling your body to feel like there's no threat. And that's free. It's actually accessible to all of us. And it's really just calming down your nervous system. Cause I kind of think of life, whether you're a runner or not, or, you know, busy mama, life is an extreme sport. Literally we play <laughs> an extreme sport every single day. And I think my, um, most of my clients, their sleep issues come from keeping one foot in the ring and one foot trying to go to sleep and not being able to straddle the fence between, you know, holding on to the responsibility of their day to day, which we as women especially have more responsibility than ever. And we need yeah. to take both feet out of the boxing ring and enable our body to feel like there's no pending threat. So that's different for everyone. Some people, they need to tap into their breath. Maybe they've been instinctively holding their breath all day. This is something that I fall prey to being the swimmer that I used to be. I have whales. I have lungs of a whale. As I say, you have like, you have super gills. Yeah, I do. And so I can hold my breath and it wasn't really illuminated to me until just even recently how well I can hold my breath. And so for me, I need to just be taught to breathe again. And so I use this free breathing app called Breathing Zone. I first learned about it from the infamous Sarah Godfrey. She was on a podcast years ago talking about her method of just letting Breathing Zone remind you to breathe more slowly. And it has been game changing for me because I actually breathe before I go to sleep. No big deal. And for clients, <laughs> taking they, some oxygen after eight hours of basically yeah. being suffocated. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. I mean, it's the simple things and I love it. I, I think we just did the giggle test, which means if it's simple enough that you laugh, it's probably doable. Yes, and so, yes. um, you know, I think just. I'm not a fan of keeping your phone on next to you beside, beside your bed. But I think if you, the last thing you do with your phone before you go to bed is you have it teach you something that puts you into that state of rest and digest, then that I, that's, I'm here for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I will say, like I used to go from, and, and this will probably resonate with our audience is, you know, I used to plug in my phone downstairs when everyone slept mm -hmm. in our house, right? You know, and now, and then Amelia went to, away to college and then I had to have it next to my bed, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't have to, but I chose to because, you know, and I yeah. know a lot of, you know, you're waiting for kids to come home from curfew yeah. and that kind of thing. So that it definitely has, I mean, the accessibility is great. And then it also, I think, adds this edge of like, I don't know what the edge is. It just adds an edge. <laughs> it does. Now there's a hack for that. Demi, I'm so glad we're talking about this because I, in, in working with so many women who are, who just need to be on call in case yeah. you can actually change the settings on your phone. And we can put this in the show notes on how to turn your phone to grayscale or red scale. So that if you are even, if you need to look at your phone or even just tempt it, right? Like so many of us, yeah. if we wake up at 2 AM, we just want to check on a few things. But I will tell you that when your eyes are scrolling up and down, that puts you into a fight or flight response. 
regardless. That's why just being on our phones always has us in kind of that stress state, no matter what we're looking at, whether it's, you know, playful puppy dogs or the news. Um, and so what you can do to, to prevent that almost, um, addiction to looking at your phone in the middle of the night is to turn it to red or grayscale. It's okay. so ugly. It's so bad. I know. It's I've like done grayscale before. Yes. Oh, Dimity, yes. go to red scale, prepare yourself. Oh, I don't know if I need that. I mean, honestly, grace, cause it just, it's about black and white. So Instagram is yeah. a, nothing's pretty. Nothing is nothing's pretty. pretty. Nothing you is, don't even want yeah. to look at it. You don't want to double no. tap anything. No. Yeah. I like that. It will, let's definitely do that. I like that idea a lot. Um, cool. what about something like, like, uh, I mean, I really like the idea of a, a warm bath, some warm yeah. tea, um, you know, I mean, I think we all know to kind of not be on screens right before bed as much as we can. So kind of how much does that help in your clinician world? Is that kind of a, is that kind of an old wives tale or does it actually help to get that body? I know it helps you fall asleep, but that 2 a.m., does it, does it go that far into the night? Does it stretch for it six hours? It actually or can, but it builds on itself. I would say whatever you're going to be most consistent with. So the idea okay. of a warm bath, great. Love it. But if you don't see yourself doing warm baths consistently, then you it won't be as cumulative because what you want to do is repeat something to induce safety. Our body thinks whatever we repeat is often safe. And so oh, okay. I think whatever you can identify as most approachable. So I, you know, the breathing zone app, like I could do that on planet Mars. I could do that from a gas station. I can do that from anywhere. And so for me, that felt most approachable for some women. It's just putting out a, a bag of tea that they brew themselves. You know, that visual stimulus to do it is what makes it more consistent. And so they drink the same tea every night. I know I've heard you talk in the past about your yoga nidra practice. I love that. Which essentially, for those of you who are new to yoga nidra, it just is literally having laying down. It's not actually pulling out a yoga mat. It's laying down and having um, and pressing play on a yoga nidra exercise where a practitioner just walks you through sequential relaxation of your body. There's a free app. We can also put this in the show notes, which is insight timer. And yep. you know, whatever you're going to do most consistently, that is what's going to have that cumulative effect on bringing your cortisol down enough to elicit the, the release of melatonin because melatonin cannot be secreted if cortisol is not low enough. So we're just giving your body that, that stimulus that the threat is gone we're done with the extreme sport. We're going to actually prepare for tomorrow's extreme sport and pull ourselves completely <laughs> out of the boxing ring. <laughs> By going to sleep. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. Yeah. So that's for everybody. And I think that's beautiful because you could help that. So that's for a 13-year-old, even a six-year-old or a 53-year-old. It doesn't matter. But let's go 21 plus now. Okay. Now yeah. we're going drinking age because <laughs> um, we're going to talk about the liver. And this is something that I didn't know despite sitting by you for many years. So talk about alcohol and the liver and when the liver likes, like when it's most efficient. Yeah. So every organ has a circadian rhythm, meaning every organ is a little bit more active at different times of the day and night. And the liver happens to have its most active presence around 2 to 4 a.m. And so if you've exposed your body to more toxins throughout the day than even normal, that's when the liver is going to really 
um, kind of reflect that that uptick in exposure because that's when it's working the hardest. That's when it turns its factory lights on and really goes to work because there's fewer things, supposedly fewer, fewer things for your body to do at night. So it can work its magic at that time. So if you've ever noticed that maybe you're more intolerant to alcohol than you used to be, part of that is hormonal, which we're going to talk about, but also part of it is that you just maybe exposed your body to more toxic threat than you did the day before. One of the most prominent, maybe accessible and enjoyable threats is alcohol. And so if you notice that you wake up between 2 and 4 a.m. and, oh, by the way, you had a second drink, well, that's the liver just doing its job, protecting your brain from that threat while it can. So there's a few ways around this. I'd say the most uh, medicinal way is to... Yeah, the easiest way is to the most medicinal. That's what you say. That's such an LE speak. The most is is not is it is it not to drink or is it to Just have not one to drink. drink? It's not Honestly, to drink. Okay. okay, it's really not to drink if you really struggle with sleep. And I will have clients who just are little dolphins where it's not even two a.m. It's just they are tossing and turning all night long. I would say alcohol taking it away does at least fifty percent of the work, but that does that's. I don't like to teach in a reductionistic way. I don't like to just make taking things away your only way to be um, successful. And so what I will say is even if you drink, maybe you do a cocktail, then a mocktail, then a cocktail. So you're just even, you're, you're hydrating while you're taking in toxins. The other thing you can do is just shift your alcohol exposure up a bit so that your liver has time to work on the alcohol before you go to bed. Those late night drinks will make you pass out. So you think that you are, you know, you, alcohol put you to sleep, but it's it's sedating you and then putting more of a toxic load on your liver. And that's why you wake up. Okay. Later. Okay. All right. And I got to do, we are not, they're, they're not a podcast commercial or a sponsor or anything, but I got to do a little plug for what we call fake beer around this house. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, yeah. that's what Grant and I call it. And it's athletic brewing company. So it is you know, it is fake beer. It's uh, like, I think 0.5% or something. It does not, right. <laughs> it does not register on my alcohol yeah. consumption scale. And Ellie, you and I have talked about this. What I like about it is having one of those at five breaks my work day into my evening, right? It's there's yeah. something about the ritual of the cocktail or the refreshing drink or whatever. And there's so many now. I mean, I know you know yeah. this. I mean, there's a great apple cider one that someone posted about on Trader Joe's. There's so many mocktails. It's not just what it used to like. I think Heineken used to be the only fake beer in the world. They had a version of it. I know Heineken yeah. isn't fake, but yeah. Okay. All right. So keep that liver quiet or let her let her hum like she wants to at yeah. 2 a.m. by not yeah. uh, stressing the load. Okay. So we've done 21. Now let's go. You mentioned it. Let's go 40 plus. Let's go to our most of our listeners who are like <laughs> riding the hormone roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. So Hormones definitely play a role in every facet of our being. They change our inner landscape from moment to moment. And as they shift, our capacity to take on certain stressors also shift. And I will say one of our hormones, I think she gives us our superpowers, but I think every hormone gives us our superpowers, but one in particular, progesterone. As she starts to decline as we age, because she does, that is a normal trajectory, 
we lose some of our protection specifically in the brain against cortisol. So cortisol is more plays a more predominant role in the brain when we don't have as much progesterone, meaning cortisol can sometimes wake us up in the middle of the night if we don't have enough progesterone. So if you've noticed that even if you're that your insomnia is cyclical, like maybe you do have a period, maybe it's not um, regular, but it's kind of sporadic and you're noticing that, wow, the week before my period, I'm waking up in the middle of the night. That is a very iconic reflection of lower progesterone. So just getting maybe familiar with your cyclical fluctuation of this will help you understand if it is truly a decline in progesterone that's causing this. And there are so many different ways to support this response in our 40s and, and beyond if it is if it is progesterone playing a role. So getting familiar with, with the cycle, but then also potentially even checking on your levels of progesterone. I think every sure. woman should be checking in on their hormones regularly, um, even if that means once a year to see where your progesterone is to really validate this. And, and you're not crazy. You're not, you know, I think we, we always resort to what could I be doing more of and better? Well, this progesterone decline is, is to be expected. And then it just requires a little bit more support, namely bringing your cortisol down before you go to bed. Because if you don't have as much progesterone to protect your brain, going back to our first point, then you need even more lifestyle design to make sure you don't need as much progesterone to protect your brain from cortisol. So those nervous system snacks, I like to call them, you munch on them before you go to bed. Um, those yeah. are going to come in handy. And I would even go as far as to say you train for sleep upon waking. So how you start your day off sets your cortisol tone for the day. I think we get so hung up on what we do right before we go to bed and we miss opportunities to normalize our cortisol when we first wake up. And starting there is a great place if you're noticing the progesterone decline uh, impetus. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, I love that. Three easy things or easy-ish, mm -hmm. right? Not yeah. easy to stop drinking if you, you know, you're in a, in, yeah. at a party or something like that, but something to at least consider. And the yeah. progesterone, I will also put a plus one or a, a check next to that. Um, I'm on it right now and it has made a significant difference in mm. my sleep uh, patterns. I'm still waking, but the good news is that like I wake and then I'm I'm not doing the left, right, left, right, back. You know, I'm more yeah. like, okay, left, right. Okay, I'm going yep. back to sleep now. And I do. Yeah. And it's lovely. Amazing. So, thank yeah. you, Ellie. As oh, always, so um, yeah, what we will see you uh, at the top of next month. Uh, actually, Perfect. September, I believe it's 12th because it's the first time we'll do Many Happy Miles in September. So thank right. you as always for sharing your knowledge. You're welcome. Thanks for having me.